What's up, everybody? You are listening to the 10 After 7 podcast with your host, Michael Cody Stevenson. And I got to start this the only way I can start this because of my mood today. We're not happy. When I pushed live to start this podcast, I was going to be fired up. I always try to come on to these podcasts with high energy and a good mood. But today, my day is ruined. My day was ruined by an alert I got on my phone. The MLB.com. That's right. For the rest of today, I'm not going to be in a good mood. Don't talk to me. I'm not going to say hi. If I go to Starbucks later today and the car in front of me pays for my drink, I ain't paying for the car behind me. Because I'm pissed off. And it's because I got the alert that Clayton Kershaw is headed to the 10-day IL. And that bums me out. It's happened over the last couple of years as he's dealt with injuries. But he's got back inflammation. And that can't be good. I'm going to try to be optimistic. Because he's my favorite player of all time. He's come back from injuries before he's dealt with this. But man, was he having a hell of a season this year. 1.80 ERA through five starts. Took a perfecto into the eighth inning in Minnesota. The league leader in whip. Everything was looking good for 22. The all-time strikeouts leader in Dodger history. And then this alert came up that he's headed to the IL. So thoughts and prayers to my favorite player of all time, Clayton Kershaw, and you better be praying too. If you listen to this podcast, he's your guy. He's not my guy. If you listen to this podcast, Clayton Kershaw is also your guy. So let's hope Clayton Kershaw gets past this and returns to greatness. But of course, we're going to talk NBA playoffs. We have a game seven. Can you believe it? I look like an idiot. On last week's podcast, I said the Dallas Mavericks were down and out. And I couldn't have been farther from the truth. The Dallas Mavericks have forced a game seven against the Phoenix Suns, who I thought were a wagon. But Chris Paul, the 37-year-old point guard, is having trouble taking out the Dallas Mavericks, and it's because Luka Doncic, the 23-year-old phenom, leading the way for the Big D. And last night's Game 6 in Dallas goes 33-11-8. The guy is a monster. And the Phoenix Suns have been chirping this guy throughout the entire series. There's great videos out there of him calling Devin Booker a pussy, a little rivalry going. I love it. And I'm Team Luka. Luka's the man. He makes everyone think they can play a little basketball. You can be chubby and still ball out. And Luka's doing his thing. And the Dallas Mavericks are following his lead. They will play Game 7 on Sunday in Phoenix. And if Phoenix is the wagon that I thought they were, they'll be able to close it out. But they need more from Chris Paul. Chris Paul only 13 points in Game 6. Devin Booker only 19 points. Chris Paul only averaging 9.3 points in his last four games. He's not getting up the shots. 
The old point guard's having a hard time getting up shots against the Dallas defense. It's not great, man. Dallas is turning them over. 29 to 6 in the turnovers yesterday. They got 29 points off turnovers. That's going to win you games. And Jalen Brunson, who I kind of talked down on when Dallas was down 0 2, he wasn't stepping up. He scores 18 in game six. They're getting help from anyone. Dorian Finney Smith from behind the arc has been killing it. So we got a game seven, and that's going to be a good one. But I'm still taking Phoenix. I'm still taking them at Footprint Arena in Phoenix. I think they're going to close out Dallas, and I just hope so because I look like an idiot. But I'm still putting my faith in the Phoenix Suns. But if Luka gets it done, we've seen what he can do in game sevens. Remember a couple years ago against the Clippers? They lost the game, but he still put up 46 points and 14 assists. Chris Paul's been in seven game sevens in his career. He's three and four, not great. And this will be Devin Booker's first game seven of his young NBA career. So we'll see how he does. But I can't believe that series has gone seven. Let's talk about the Miami Heat-Philadelphia 76ers series because that one is over. The Miami Heat beat them last night, 99-90. They're moving on to the Eastern Conference Finals for the second time in three years. Are we going to give the Miami Heat the respect they deserve? We will. Jimmy Butler, remember when he ran himself out of Minnesota? He was being hard on the young guys over there, and they couldn't take it. They didn't have the winning culture that the Miami Heat do. And Jimmy Butler deserves all the credit because he seems to be the leader that we weren't told that he was. He was too hard on the young guys. Well, you know what? Jimmy Butler's just holding these guys to a higher standard, and the Miami Heat are responding. We've heard a lot about the Heat culture. Eric Spolster over there, Pat Riley. You have to respect it. And Jimmy Butler, 32 points in the closeout game. Led all scorers in the series with 27.5 points per game. They got guys like P.J. Tucker, Bam out of bio. And they got a guy named Max Struss. And let me tell you something. This hadn't happened to me in a long time. I could watch a lot of professional sports, mostly all of them, and know exactly where a guy went to college. Me and my buddies will play a game. We'll just throw out a random name, especially in the NBA, and say, what college did this guy go to? And we'll have fun with it. We usually do a hell of a job. Because in the NBA, there's only, what, five starters, eight guys in the rotation, 15 guys on the roster. And usually every single one of those guys was a star at one point or another at their college. There's a few guys that you hadn't heard of, but you hear about them during NCAA tournament time. Remember C.J. McCollum? We didn't know who he was. But in the NCAA tournament, when he went to Lehigh, the 15th seed Lehigh took out Duke. And C.J. McCollum was on our radar. So we mostly know every single dude on every roster if we watch professional sports because we're college sports fans here too. But not Max Struss. I saw the Miami Heat game. White dude putting up 20 points, 39 points in the last two games of that series. And I said, who the hell is this white guy starting on the Miami Heat Max Struss? So I went on a deep dive. I got to know the man's story. And it's a good one. 
You guys probably don't care, but I care, and you guys should know. If the Miami Heat are playing in the Eastern Conference Finals, potentially in the NBA Finals, you're going to find out about Max Struss, and here's the story. This guy went to Lewis College, a Division II out of high school. Scored over 1,000 career points at Lewis and decided he was going to transfer to DePaul. And he even had to sit out a year. Because that was a time when college players, if they transferred, they had to sit out a year before they could play again. So he goes to his hometown school. He's from Illinois. He goes to DePaul. His mother went there. And there's a quote that he said he never even thought he'd be playing in the NBA. But at DePaul, he balled out. Scored in double figures in 26 of his 31 games. And his coach told him, hey, you need to change your goals. You have a chance to play in the NBA. So the 2019 draft rolls around, and he goes undrafted. Two rounds in the NBA draft, he goes undrafted. But he gets signed to a two-way contract by the Boston Celtics. A two-way contract, basically, you're signed for that team, and you could go up and down between the G League and the NBA. So he gets signed to the two-way, and the Boston Celtics right before the season say, you know what, we're actually going to give our two-way contract to Taco Fall, the seven-foot-six guy from University of Central Florida. But you can compete for an opening spot on the roster during training camp. He doesn't get that spot, gets waived by the Celtics. His hometown team, the Chicago Bulls, pick him up. They sign him to a two-way contract. He's up and down there. Makes his NBA debut against the Miami Heat. Gets a couple of buckets. Knocks down a couple of shots. That's on tape. Then he tears his ACL. But that's not going to stop Max Struss. No, that's not going to stop him. So he tears his ACL. Becomes available again. And the Miami Heat... Still on tape. They saw what Max Struss could do in, what, five minutes of play? They remember. This guy could do something. He could shoot the ball well. So the Miami Heat pick him up. They sign him to a two-way contract. And then he makes the team, plays on a two-way contract, and then they sign him to a two-year contract, $3.5 million contract. He gets the NBA bag. So now here he is in the year 2022 on the second year of his deal. And he's starting for the number one seed Miami Heat in the NBA playoffs. You got to love the story. Shout out Max Struss. And I think a lot of these dudes, there's been a few players where I'm like, where'd this guy come from? Miami Heat have another good player who's contributing in these playoffs named Gabe Vincent. Haven't done a deep dive on him. But I think the NBA has changed in a way where we're seeing guys we haven't seen before because the three ball has become so important in today's game. There's a lot of three and D guys. So Max Struss, I now know who you are, and I'm a fan. So the Miami Heat advance to the Eastern Conference Finals. Shout out to them. Then you have the Grizzlies and the Golden State Warriors. That series got a little physical. We talked about it last week. Probably too physical because John Morant, one of the rising stars in the league, is out with a knee injury. He's missed the last two games. Golden State went up 3-1 
They beat the Grizzlies pretty handily. And then they squeaked by, barely squeaked by, to take a 3-1 series lead with Ja Moran out. And then I hammered the Warriors in Game 5. Without Ja Morant, yeah, the Grizzlies did good during the regular season, 20-5 and without their star. But Golden State's going to shut these guys out in Memphis. And I was wrong. Once again, I was wrong. The Memphis Grizzlies routed the Golden State Warriors by 39 points in Game 5, 134 to 95. And during all this, the Warriors head coach Steve Kerr has been out due to COVID protocols. Mike Brown steps in. He's going to be the Kings coach next year. But even then, he's coached playoff games with Steve Kerr at his back issues a couple of years ago. Mike Brown's 12 and 1 now in his playoff career with the Golden State Warriors. But Golden State just got routed in that game. And it was without John Morant. A playoff game they won without John Morant. But can the Grizzlies force a game seven? Game six is tonight in the Bay Area. And I'm going to hammer the Warriors again. No way, no chance. I don't see the Grizzlies without John Morant winning two in a row, especially in Golden State, where the Warriors are 5-0 during these playoffs. Jordan Poole's got to step up. He had 14 points in Game 4's win for Golden State. But then in Game 5, that routing, he only had three points. But I'm going with Steph Curry and the boys in Game 6. Close it out tonight. The spread is 9. I've been very, very afraid. These days of the spread. I've been taking money lines just trying to win any bet I can. Because I'm losing left and right. I'm afraid of the spread. But I might just take the minus nine tonight in Golden State. I don't see the Grizzlies forcing a game seven. But if they do, we got two game sevens. Fire me up. And then another game six tonight. You have the Celtics and the Bucks series. And that's been a good one. They're trading off wins. Boston, even though down 3-2 in this series, has outscored the Bucs by four points. And the last Celtics win in game four, it's the old rule. It's the number one rule across the NBA. You do not piss off Al Horford. Al Horford had a game to even the series 2-2 in game four. 30 points, 11 of 14 from the field. It all started when Giannis dunked on him, chirped him a little bit, got teed up. Later in that game, Horford returned the favor, dunks on Giannis, gives him an elbow. And Al Horford closes that game out. Tatum also a 30 spot. But then in game five, the Bucks in the Boston Garden. Giannis, the best player in the league. There's no doubt about it. He scores 40 points. Drew Holiday had two major steals at the end of that game to seal the victory. The Bucs are the defending champs. What are you going to do? So they head to Milwaukee tonight to try to close out that series and make the Eastern Conference Finals for the third time in the last four years. And this will be the third straight season that the Bucs and Heat will meet up in the playoffs. The Heat beat them in the bubble season. And then the Bucks beat them last year. So we're going to get a rubber match if we get a Miami Heat versus Milwaukee Bucks 
Game 7. Or Eastern Conference Finals, excuse me. But can Boston force the Game 7? In Milwaukee, the spread's only one. What do we do there? Do we hammer the Bucks? Do we go with Giannis? I think the Bucks close it out. I think the only Game 7 we're going to get is the Phoenix Suns-Dallas Mavericks on Sunday because I believe that the Bucks will win Game 6 tonight against the Boston Celtics, and I'm bummed about it. We know the bet that we have on this podcast. If Jason Tatum can win an NBA championship on the number as a number one guy on a championship team, Devin Rawls got to go ginger and wear a Tatum jersey at a Las Vegas pool party this summer. And I want to see that. We've messed with a couple photos, put the ginger hair on Devin. He looks good. But I want to see it in real life. I want to see Devin Rawls at ginger. So we're rooting for the Celtics, but I just don't think they're going to do it. Because I'm going with Giannis, the two-time MVP. The finals MVP last year. So that's going to be a good one tonight. Shall we talk about the NFL schedule release? The NFL tries to make everything an event, and they've done a pretty good job of it. They have the NFL draft. Me and my buddies will get together and watch the NFL draft. During the height of COVID a couple years ago, we each got on Zoom and watched the entire first round of the NFL draft. It is an event. And then with fantasy football, every single year we have our fantasy football drafts, and that's my favorite time of the year. It's literally probably my favorite time of the year is when me and my buddies get together for our fantasy football draft. And then every Sunday, you get together with friends. It's an event. The NFL has done a terrific job with making anything and everything an event. But they're never going to make the NFL schedule release an event. They're not. I'm not calling up friends and saying, hey, let's hang out tonight, man. Five o'clock, ESPN, they're going to release the whole schedule. We get to see what weeks teams are playing each other. I guess some people are stoked they could plan their trips. They go to one game a year. They could say, hey, our team's going to Dallas this year. Let's go to that game. Our team's taking on the Buccaneers. Let's go see Tom Brady play. I saw Tom Brady last year come play the Rams. That was fantastic. I could say I saw Tom Brady play. We'll get into Tom Brady later. He's getting a bag from Fox Sports. Never in a million years did I think Tom Brady was going to pivot and be a sports broadcaster. But we're going to get it. We are going to get it when that guy finally hangs it up. But let's talk about some key games. There are some good games that we can look forward to with the NFL schedule release. The Rams will kick off the NFL season as the defending Super Bowl champs, and they will take on the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills are coming to town. That's a great game. I'm fired up for that one. The first week of the season, the Monday night football game, Russell Wilson, the new quarterback for the Denver Broncos, will go to Seattle. And Seattle may not be very good, but that'll be cool to see Russell Wilson return to Seattle for the first time on Monday night football, the lone game. A lot of these websites are ranking the primetime games. Right now, I'm going to look at SportingNews.com. They rank the five best and five worst primetime games. There was even one website that ranked all 272 NFL games. I don't know 
what the criteria was for that. But I'm sure the Jaguars and the Texans are probably 272 because we don't want to see that game. But the Chiefs and Buccaneers, Super Bowl from a couple years ago. They'll play on Sunday night football in week four. That's ranked number one on this website. The Los Angeles Rams will go to Lambeau Field for Monday night football in week 15. That's a good one. Who's Aaron Rodgers throwing to? We don't know. They have the Chiefs and Broncos here. That's going to be fun. Russell Wilson and Patrick Mahomes playing against each other two times a year. You got the Packers going to Buffalo for a Sunday night football game in week eight. Rodgers, Josh Allen. I don't think they've played each other in a while or ever. The stat here is Green Bay has never won in Buffalo ever. I guess that's cool. The Bengals, the Bills going to Cincinnati. Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, that's fun. I like that. Not on this list is a game I'm looking forward to. January 1st, New Year's Day, which belongs to college football, the Rose Bowl. You love it. I love New Year's Day every year. If you have a chance to go to the Rose Bowl, go. It's the greatest time you'll ever have. Played at the greatest football stadium that this world has to offer. But I'm fired up for week 17, New Year's Day, the Rams against the Chargers. That is going to be a hell of a matchup. Because those two teams came to LA and you had to pick a side. The Rams came here first. I said, hey, I'm a Rams fan. I don't care if my first ever NFL game I ever attended was the Cincinnati Bengals versus Chargers in San Diego. I put my foot down and said, I am going to be a Rams fan. And it's been fun. It's paid off. Super Bowl champs. But the Chargers are doing things. They're doing things. If I had to put a future on a team right now, and I probably will, I like to sprinkle some money on futures. It's something to hold on to. I'm probably going to put a future on the Chargers. Justin Herbert traded for Khalil Mack. They seem to be drafting right, protecting uh, Herbert, getting talent around him. I like the Chargers. I like them this year. I don't know what their odds are, but I like it. So that's the one game I'm looking forward to because me and my buddies will probably go. Chargers fans, Rams fans, we're kind of split down the middle. So that'll be fun banter. Worst games on primetime, rank number one, Jaguars at Jets. Thursday night football, week 16. We're going to act like we don't care, but we probably have a couple of dudes in fantasy that we're going to have to watch that game for. Falcons at Panthers. Marcus Mariota, the quarterback for the Falcons. Is it still Darnold for the Panthers? I don't know. I saw the Commanders going to the Eagles. Like, that's some big matchup because Carson Wentz is making his return to Philly. I do not give a single shit about Carson Wentz returning to Philadelphia. I just don't. I'm sorry. But that's the NFL schedule release. If you got together with your friends to watch the NFL schedule release, please let me know because I don't think anyone was sitting down on their couch, fired up, watching ESPN, NFL Network, whatever it was. The NFL is not ever going to make the NFL schedule release an actual event where people get together. Just not going to happen. We're not giving you this one, especially during NFL playoffs, NHL playoffs. Speaking of NHL playoffs, the Kings could have closed out the Edmonton Oilers last night at home. 
They couldn't get it done. They lose 4-2. to two. They couldn't knock out Connor McDavid. Damn it. So game seven on Saturday night. Oilers, Kings. Please can we get the Kings to advance. It's been fun to have a rooting interest in the NHL playoffs. Yes, I'm betting on games. That's been fun. But to have the Kings back in the NHL playoffs feels right. It feels right. It's been awesome. So let's get Jay Quick to shut those guys down in Canada and send the Kings on to the second round. That's all we could hope for. I sprinkled some money on Tampa Bay last night. They're the defending back-to-back Stanley Cup champions. And it paid off. First bet I've won since the late 90s. Today, I'm going to try to ride that one-game hot streak. We got a game six between the Florida Panthers and the Washington Capitals in the state capital. And I'm going with my Florida Panthers. Yep. Florida Panthers, let's get this winning streak going. I've heard it's not a winning streak until you win three straight. Well, you know what? We're lowering our expectations. If I win two bets in a row, I'll be fired up. Do we have some baseball talk? I guess we do. The Dodgers had a six-game road trip. Swept the Cubbies in Chicago. Walker Bueller on Sunday night. Baseball dealt per usual. Then they went on to Pittsburgh to play three against the poorly Buckos, and they dropped two of three. Ryan Pepio made his debut. He was okay, walked a lot of dudes. And the Dodgers dropped two of three to Pittsburgh. I got to stop betting the Dodgers. I got it. And I've been told, you know, the Dodgers run line, you're going to win most of the time. Well, every time I've done it, they've lost. So it's bad juju. Got to stop betting the Dodgers. But they still go 4-2 and two on the six-game road trip. They started a four-game series with the Philadelphia Phillies last night. They were down 7-1. to one. Made a comeback, tied it up 7-7, to seven, then go down 9-7, and then the bases are juiced in the bottom of the ninth. No outs. And bases loaded in the Dodgers. If you follow me on Twitter, I've been tweeting about the Dodgers and the bases loaded since I got on Twitter, actually. My Twitter-versary, I was told, was just last week. 13 years. I'm in my teens. I turned 13 on Twitter. Can't believe I've been on that website for that long. I remember I was golfing one day in high school. I've golfed probably less than 10 times in my entire life. We were at Sierra, little par three, nine holes. And I get a call from my mom. I think she's watching Oprah or something, she told me. She says, hey, I signed you up for Twitter. I'm like, what? what's Twitter? She's like, I think it's a great thing. There's a lot of sports personalities on there. You watch games, you tweet. And I love her for it. I've loved Twitter ever since. I used to tweet play-by-play. My friends would get pissed saying, I'm going to stop following you. You tweet like every 30 seconds. And I'm like, yeah, isn't that what Twitter's for? Then I got a couple of cool gigs off Twitter. When I started blogging, got to cover a couple of Dodger games. I mean, Twitter is awesome. I love it. And I guess it could get nasty. I don't know. I feel like it's only nasty if you're seeking out the disturbing stuff that's said on Twitter. It's not toxic for me. I think the coolest part of Twitter is when you're watching sports and most of my timeline, all of my timeline is sports, and it feels like you are watching the game with thousands of people. You have no idea who they are, but you have different opinions on what's going on live in that moment. 
And that's the coolest part of Twitter. I will never talk down on Twitter. Elon Musk can do whatever he wants with Twitter. But please don't put an edit button. I don't want the edit button. No, no, no. If you tweet it out, it's there. It's there forever. Let's finish with the news this week that Tom Brady signed a 10-year deal worth $375 million. That's $37.5 per year to be the brand ambassador for Fox Sports. But more importantly, he'll be broadcasting games with Kevin Burkhart. And man, the entire landscape of the sports broadcast right now is pretty crazy. I mean, these guys are getting paid out the ass, and then Tom Brady gets more than he'll ever get in 23 years of playing in the NFL. He's the guy, and I don't think he's going to be bad. I really, I don't believe Tom Brady is going to be bad at broadcasting and doing analysis for the NFL. I, I don't want to live in a world where he's bad at it. I know Joe Montana took his chance at it when he ended playing football, and he wasn't great. He barely lasted a year. I just don't see Tom Brady being bad, and it's going to kind of be cool to see a different side of Tom Brady. He's going to have to critique guys. He's going to have to get, I don't want to say nasty, but he's going to have to be a critic, and that's the only way you're going to be good at it. And I don't see Tom Brady failing at being a broadcaster. I'm fired up for it. I don't know when he's going to hang it up. But man, 37 and a half per year to be the main guy on Fox with Kevin Burkhart. I think Romo's getting 18 million. Troy Aikman's getting 18 million from ESPN. But we've got some, some of the best broadcast teams. Take your pick. Aikman, Buck, Nance, Romo. We're having a new cast with... Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreit, who I love. I think they're going to do great. Then you got Tariko and Collinsworth now taking over Sunday Night Football. Take your pick. But it'll be fun to see Tom Brady's transition to a broadcaster. It's probably going to take him some time. Drew Brees wasn't great last year. He'll probably get better at it as the more times he, you know, more reps he gets. But I never thought in a million years Tom Brady would be transitioning to sports broadcaster. It's crazy. He has all the money in the world. His wife has all the money in the world. You thought maybe he'd own a team. Maybe he still can. Peyton Manning's doing his thing with the Manning cast. I think adding Tom Brady, the goat of all goats, is going to be good. And there's some people saying, well, not a lot of people like Tom Brady. Well, let me ask you this. Are you going to turn off an NFL game because Tom Brady is announcing? Are you going to mute your TV? Because you don't like Tom Brady? The answer is no. Who gives a shit? And if you dislike Tom Brady, if I came around and started to like and respect Tom Brady, I think everyone should do the same. Straight up. So that's going to be wild. I don't know if this is his last year. I don't know if he's going to play next year with a different team. We'll see how it all unfolds. But Fox Sports threw all the money at him. And of course, Tom Brady's like, hell yeah. $375 million? I think I could talk a little football for that much money. Well, anyways, thank you for listening to the 10 After 7 podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. 
Follow me on 10 After 7 on the Instagram, the Twitter. I'll be back next Friday talking everything sports. Dallas Mavericks, are they down and out? Only time will tell. I'm out. Woo! Go Dodgers. Thank you.